Welcome to the First Baptist Barberville Weekly Sermon Podcast. At FBC Barberville, our mission is to gather, grow, give, and go. Join us for live worship on the Court Square in Barberville, Kentucky, or to learn more about our church, visit fbcbarberville.com. Here is Pastor Tyler Shields. Lively bunch, praise God. Well, this morning we're going to be continuing through Acts, and we're going to be in Acts chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, you want to go ahead and flip there. And we're watching the story of God's church. We're watching the church grow. We're watching the church flourish. We're seeing a lot of ups, a lot of downs, how the church handles these situations, how they prayerfully depend on God, how they faithfully depend on one another. Last week, we looked at this, a little bit more of this amazing character named Barnabas, and we saw what an, an incredible influence that he was in the early church. And the church, after our story last week, Give you the, the quick down and dirty. They, they continue to grow, continue to do well, continue to reach Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and, and branching out to the ends of the earth. But then King Herod begins to persecute the Christians once again there in Jerusalem. And he even goes so far as to have James, the brother of John, one of the two sons of Zebedee, killed. He, he, he becomes one of the first martyrs, uh, I believe the first apostle to be killed for his faith. Now, the Jews in Jerusalem were very, very happy about this. Remember, this is the same crowd that had Jesus crucified. And seeing how happy and satisfied this made them, Herod begins to branch out even further, and he arrests Peter. And he's holding Peter in prison with the intent of executing him following the Jewish Passover. And you think about what a big deal this is for the church. The apostle Peter is is a pillar of the early church. He, he's, he's essentially the leader of the apostles. And taking him out would be a catastrophic blow to the early church. And so that takes us to Acts chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 5. Notice how the church responds to this crisis. Verse 5 says, So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was praying fervently to God for him. When Herod was about to bring him out for trial, that very night, Peter, bound with two chains, was sleeping between two soldiers, while the sentries in front of the door guarded the prison. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. Striking Peter on the side, he woke him up and said, Quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. Get dressed, the angel told him, and put on your sandals. And he did. Wrap your cloak around you, he told him, and follow me. So he went out and followed, and he did not know that what the angel did was really happening, but he thought he was seeing a vision. After they passed the first and second guards, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened to them by itself. They went outside and passed one street, and suddenly the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I know for certain That the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's grasp and from all that the Jewish people expected. As soon as he realized this, he went off to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was called Mark, where many had assembled and were praying. He knocked at the door of the outer gate and a servant named Rhoda came to answer. She recognized Peter's voice and because of her joy, she did not open the gate but ran in and announced that Peter was standing at the outer gate. You're out of your mind, they told her. But she kept insisting that it was true, and they said, It's his angel. 
Peter, however, kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. Motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. Tell these things to James and the brothers, he said. And he left and went to another place. Let's pray together real quickly. Father, we thank you for your holy word. Thank you for these incredible stories that we have captured for us in the pages of Scripture. God, I pray that this morning your word transforms our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to focus this morning on the chains that held Peter captive. A lot of people, it's one of the pastor's biggest pains to deal with and to see and to witness is the chains that keep people, good people, good Christians even, held captive. And looking at this story, we're reminded that, first of all, chains are released through man's intercession. Notice what the church was doing. They were praying. We have to understand that the praying going on here was not just light-hearted prayers. They weren't just, thank God for this food, let's dig in and eat, and it wouldn't now lay me down to sleep, pray the Lord my soul to keep. Luke says the church prayed fervently or earnestly. And it's interesting language that he uses here. It's only used one other time in the New Testament. And that's by Peter himself when Peter in one of his letters tells the church to love one another fervently or earnestly just like this. And it's clear to me that the church loves this apostle. He's in trouble. His life is literally in the balance. The future of the church and its leadership, I mean, really, it could be at stake. And what's the church do? They pray fervently and faithfully for this man. Luke tells us, he he uses very similar language in his own gospel. When he describes Jesus going into the Garden of Gethsemane, and he goes off by himself to pray. And Luke tells us that Jesus, being in anguish, prayed more fervently, the same type of language, so fervently that his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground, as Luke says. These people, this church was praying with all of its might. Have you ever been part of something like that when a church prays that hard? Most of us could probably say, no, not really. But they came together and they were interceding on Peter's behalf. And here's the thing, their prayers were heard. One commentator says this, says, As the iron gates of Herod's prison clanged shut, the gates of heaven swung open wide. The church sank to its knees and a ceaseless volume of prayer ascended to the throne of grace. What if we prayed like that today? What if the couple hundred folks gathered here this morning came together and prayed fervently for whatever it is that we needed God to do? Can you imagine what would happen? Peter was in physical change, but today there's so many chains, like I said, of so many different forms that plague our people. Chains of addiction, chains of bitterness, chains of hurt, chains of regret, chains of fear, chains of guilt. I mean, you, 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 the list keeps on going and going. And we wonder, why are these chains never, ever broken? And I would say a lot of it has to do with because we don't actually pray about it. Not fervently, not earnestly, not whole. Heartedly. It reminds me of a story in Mark chapter 9 when Jesus takes some of his disciples up on the Mount of Transfiguration and the rest are kind of left to do their own thing and they're, they're mingling with the crowds, they're ministering to the crowds. And this father brings his son who's demon possessed and he's just been tormenting this kid, really trying to kill him, trying to hurt him. And he brings him to the disciples and he, he asks them to drive out this demon and they try, but they can't do it. And Jesus comes back and Jesus casts out the demon and and they can't figure out why they couldn't do it. Because here's what's interesting. 
Jesus had already given them the authority to drive out these demons, to drive out unclean spirits. And so after the fact, they pulled Jesus aside. They said, Lord, why could we not drive out the demon? And what does Jesus say? He says, this kind can come out only by prayer. In some translations, add fasting. The point is, we have to pray. And I'm thankful for a committed prayer team, but we as a church have to pray wholeheartedly. Listen, when somebody's in chains, whether it's physical chains or mental or emotional or spiritual, whatever the case may be, it is our sacred duty as the body of Christ to hit our knees and pray and intercede for that person. And if we did, things would happen. There's something powerful about God's people uniting together to pray. When man prays, the maker provides. And that's what we see. The next thing we realize is that chains are removed by the maker's intervention. These chains were not something Peter could handle by himself. Your chains are not something that you can remove by yourself. Doesn't mean you don't have to want it. Doesn't mean that you don't have to try. But there's some things that's just bigger than you. More often than not, it takes the handiwork of God Himself intervening for you to break those chains. In this case, I love the story because God chose to send one of His own angels to help Peter and to set him free. It's something God does throughout Scripture. And you can believe that these ministering spirits, as the Bible calls them, these angels, folks, they're real. And they're active. They are doing the work that God dispatches them to do. Like most other places in Scripture, they come for a specific task, usually for a specific period of time. And, and honestly, it's not usually very long. Miraculously, this angel comes and he ushers Peter through the prison. They go past the guards. They go out the gate into freedom. And, and then what happens? He just he vanishes. It's hard to even wrap your mind around. But his work was done. We'll talk more about this tonight. Peter's chains were left. The angel leaves. And when God's people began to pray and sincerely seek Him and seek His will and intercede for other people, folks, things began to happen. It sets into motion a, a chain of events that a lot of times we don't even see the details and we may not even realize maybe for years later what all God has been up to as His people prayed. Those impossible chains began to loosen. People you thought couldn't be saved, guess what? They start coming to the Lord. Those broken relationships that you thought never could be mended or, or fixed, God begins to restore them. Forgiveness is offered. Where there seems to be no possibility, God makes a way and suddenly provides. It's amazing what God will do when we invite Him to do what only He can do. Put that on your Twitter. That kind of had a ring to it. It's amazing what God will do when we invite Him to do what only He can do. And that comes through prayer. We see examples of this all throughout Scripture. One of my favorite examples is from the book of Daniel. When Daniel's needing some help and he, he's praying to God, he's fasting. And three weeks pass as Daniel fasts and, and prays. And, and, and suddenly an angel appears and he's there to help Daniel. And the angel specifically tells him, I have come because of your prayers. Folks, we can't even begin to fathom the resources that are available that God our Father has at His disposal if we would simply ask. One of the most difficult lessons that we learn, I think, is that there are there's simply things that we cannot tackle on our own. How many of you guys like to fix things? Yeah, my, myself included. 
And when we can't fix it, we get frustrated, right? Listen, there's things that we can't fix. There are things in your life that you cannot fix. You cannot handle by yourself. You need God's help and you also need the help of those around you. We need to be open and honest with one another. That way we can know how to pray for one another. And when we do that, I'm telling you, the chains are going to start coming off. But here's the thing, and I want to spend a little time here. When the chains begin to come off, there's some things that happen. And the first thing that we see is it causes confusion. Notice our story. At first, Peter himself is confused. He was bound by chains, sitting there between two guards, protected by other guards, secured by gates. And I think, I think Peter had reserved him. He just got to this point where he was so satisfied with his situation. I think he had given himself over to death and he was fine with that. He was at peace with his situation. But somewhere in the back of his mind, he probably thought this was so impossible that he didn't even believe it when it happened before his very eyes. He thought he was still sleeping or he was having a vision. And not only was Peter confused, but more importantly, the church was confused. When he goes back to Mary's house, by the way, you know who Mary was? You know who her family was and John Mark's family was? That awesome guy named Barnabas. That's his aunt and his cousin. Side note. But when Peter shows up there, they don't believe it's him. Rhoda is so amazed, she runs off and forgets to open the door. It's, it's, it's comical almost, isn't it? And they're like, no, it's, it's not him. It's his angel. It's his ghost. It can't be really Peter that's back. But Luke tells us that when they realized it was him, and he uses interesting words, he says they were astounded or amazed. And it's the same word that, that Luke uses in Acts, when Saul is preaching and proclaiming the gospel, and the people realize this was Saul the persecutor, Saul the one that had killed Christians, preaching and proclaiming Jesus, and the Bible says they were amazed. Their mind was blown, to say it in our language. They couldn't believe that Peter had been rescued. See, when, you're, when your chains come off, when you become a new creature in Jesus Christ, suddenly you're not walking the way that you used to walk, and talking the way that you used to talk. You're not going to the same old places that you used to go and doing the things that you used to do. Suddenly those people that knew the old you, they're kind of confused. Like what in the world has happened to you? At least they should be. And if they're not, you might want to check yourself, right? But it should cause some confusion. And that gives us the opportunity for this next thing. It calls for celebration. Luke tells us that Rhoda was so overcome with joy, she forgot to open the gate. Listen, it's a big deal when God saves a soul. Yes? It's a big deal when God saves somebody. Okay. Whew. Making sure we're on the same page. It's a big deal when somebody finds freedom in Christ from whatever chain has held them captive for however long. And here's why I say that. I say that. It's a big deal, and the church should rejoice over it. You know why? Because the angels in heaven do. You realize the angels, like this angel that shows up in this story, the angels will never know what it's like to be saved. They will never experience the salvation that comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. But the Bible says, Jesus himself said, that the angels in heaven rejoice over one repentant sinner. Folks, we need to leap to our feet and raise the roof when somebody gets saved. 
Not only do we need to celebrate, but more important is when these chains come off, it centers us back on Christ. In our story here, there was no explanation for Peter's freedom. The guards could not explain what had happened the next morning. Herod kills them for that. Herod himself could not figure it out. He was so frustrated, he takes a vacation to Caesarea. And the only explanation left, and I think this is why it was so frustrating for Herod, was that this Jesus must be exactly who these people claim him to be. This Jesus must really have the power to save and have the power to heal and have the power to set people free. He had the power to break any chain that Herod or the devil himself put on anybody. And when we experience that kind of freedom in our lives, and like I said, it confuses people. And they look at us in amazement wondering, what in the world? How did you get that? I want what you have. And it gives us the opportunity to tell them what Christ has done for us and what he can do to them. Just like the song that we sang this morning. I love these words. That he makes a way when there ain't no way. He rises up from an empty grave. Ain't no sinner that he can't save. Doesn't that sound like Eastern Kentucky vernacular? That's awesome, ain't it? Ain't no sinner that he can't save. Let me tell you about my Jesus. His love is strong and his grace is free. And the good news is I know that he can do for you what he's done for me. Let me tell you about my Jesus. And let my Jesus change your life. What an opportunity to proclaim Jesus through what He's done for you, through the freedom that you have. When you can look over there and you see these chains that have held you, you see your past, people see your past, they see all of this garbage that you've left because Christ has set you free, and you can look them in the eye and say, guess what? Guess what, brother, sister? I don't know how He did it, but He can do it for you too. If you're saved, it's your job to do that. It's your obligation to tell others about this Jesus. If you're not, listen, I want you to understand through the songs that we've sang, through this story that we've read this morning, if you're the one sitting there in the chains, understand that Jesus is the answer. You've been trying to do it on your own. You've been trying to figure it out. And you're frustrated. You feel hopeless. You feel tired. Because these chains get heavy, don't they? Understand that Jesus is the solution. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Stand together and let's pray this morning. Father, we are so thankful, grateful, Lord, to be reminded. Lord, of the power that you have. God, just the power that's in the name, the mighty name of Jesus. The name that the Bible says to which every knee will bow and every tongue confess as Lord. God, this morning I pray that if there's someone here that's stuck, and they feel like they're held captive to whatever it may be, Lord, I pray that they would understand there is power in the name of Jesus. Or if they just call out on to Him, turn it over to Him, thinking, what's the chains fall? 
God, if we've been there, and for whatever reason we've gotten dry or life has just made us hard, I pray that you would restore the joy of our salvation like King David, Lord. Take us back to that moment when we were set free. And give us the boldness and the courage to tell others about our Jesus. Lord, we love you and thank you so much for sending him for us. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. This morning we're going to sing a song of invitation. And man, this altar is open if you just want to come and pray. If there's something that you're carrying and you need to lay it down, you want us to pray with you. If you want your church family to rally around you and pray for you, why don't you come this morning as we sing a song of invitation. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville, on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville, on Twitter at Barberville FBC, or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.